Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Barton Simmons back here on a Thursday because we've got our largest, our beefiest set of locks to unfurl for you here on this Thursday, week four. Yes, Tom, it is week four. Week four. According to the doc. Week four, <laughs> week four, according to the CBS Sports uh, app, as we go through the scoreboard and uh, and, and listen, we got the SEC going. Uh, the SEC on CBS Game of the Week: LSU, Mississippi State, three thirty p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it on CBS Sports All Access. You can watch it uh, for the pregame, halftime, and postgame show on CBS Sports HQ. Again, CBS All Access, your best way to stream that full SEC slate. Lots to to get into there. We begin uh, with a, a quick look back at the week. Uh, so, Tom, four and two week. Uh, well, first of all, uh, a celebration as to infinity and beyond. Yeah. Lock infinity cashes. Uh, Oklahoma State Tulsa under sixty six and a half. Never a doubt. Tom, you had a four and two week. What were your notes from a successful week, getting you back to seven and seven on the season? Uh, I mean, nothing really stood out. I mean, the USF plus 26 was just, that was a bomb. And that was out quickly. That was second quarter before I was like, all right, I'm losing this lock fight. But other than that, I mean, I was surprised, by the way, that Wake and NC State took off offensively to kill that under. But I think that was just more of a like, oh, hey, look, NC State might have an offense this year. So based on what I knew, I had no problem with the pick. It's just might be new information we need to consider going forward. Barton two and four on the week, six and nine on the season. What was nice. the mood? <laughs> what, was, what was the mood in the locker room uh, at Barton A and M this week? Hey, get your shots in while you can. Uh, I, I'm I I still feel okay. This is this was not like the first couple weeks of the season are not really my wheelhouse. Um, I think. Now that we're getting a little bit, the mainstream games are starting to pop up. SEC starting to jump in there. I feel better. I feel better about things moving forward. I think I'll be able to make up ground quick. But no, it was, it was a, it wasn't it wasn't a great week. Kind of kind of surprised Pitt didn't take care of Syracuse. Um, you know, I, sloppy I know. game, was, sloppy sloppy yeah. game. Penalties, missed field goals. Panthers, Whew. should have been forty two to nothing. That's what I saw there. It was a lot of trying to trust the uh, trust the COVID principles, mm-hmm. and the COVID principles let me down. Danny, four and one, victorious week, up to nine and six, second place uh, on the leaderboard for the season. Uh, what'd you What'd you take away from the week? I was pissed I wasn't five and zero oh because I had Notre Dame USF under and it was at forty nine and it was fifty two to nothing. I'm like Nick Saban when he chews out either Lane Kiffin or his starting quarterback and they're up forty two to nothing and he's still looking for more. That was me during that game. I was still hot. I wanted a perfect slate. The uh, and we had we weren't able to settle our lock fight, uh, Danny, because I guess uh, if it was Houston's. COVID, pro- no, it was Baylor's COVID problems. Do I get half a lock win for that? 
<laughs> oh, but by the way, we should never, ever take Houston on any bet again as they're 0 for 4 on the season for attempting games. Sheesh. So, or undefeated. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 4-0. No, no losses. Also, no wins. And then uh, I was 5-2 and two on the week. That pushes my season lead out to 11-6. and six. I... L- through a lot of slyly sliding that that pushes my season lead <laughs> into. <laughs> well, hey, listen, man, I, 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 I'm going to have the honors on the tee box. I'm trying to look at my card and trying to figure out, you know, what's going to go first. And, you know, it's just, it's easy to overlook uh, some of the losses. So we're trying to take lessons away from Duke at Boston college, which well, we, we have big notes on the blue devils. They are a stay away team, uh, at least over here at CPU for a little bit that Navy two lane under too excited about the the navy comeback to really sweat that too much so all in all i feel like we're seeing the board i feel like uh everything's in rhythm and in motion so uh we're we're excited to take this into week four of the uh, we got a collective uh the the syndicate collectively is is in the black mm -hmm. so you know Let's let's keep it that way. I'll see if I can catch up with you guys. Fifteen and nine on the week collectively, thirty-three and twenty-eight on the season. All right, you guys ready to lock it up? Let's do it. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming since 2005 when Service Academy's Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right. Uh, I am going to start us out on Friday night. We're on the mothership. CBS Sports Network. We've got Utsa, University of Texas San Antonio, Roadrunners at home against Middle Tennessee State. And I know that we have only had 76 FBS teams playing so far, and I know we're probably not going to reach 130, but in my power ratings, the Blue Raiders are 130. Like they are without a doubt the worst team that I have seen play football so far this year. And we know, hey, Barton, we know about Jeff Trailer. Don't we know? Hey, see my wife right there? Hottest fish <laughs> grease. You know, I mean, he, that guy brings so much sauce uh, to that job. He brings so much sauce to this opportunity taking over as the, I mean, just Texas through and through uh, taking over this program. His first time ever as a head coach. Who do we have on the other sideline? Oh, good old Rick Stockstill. I mean, in terms of the enthusiasm for this game, just looking at the coaching matchup, again, just not X's and O's, but just enthusiasm, automatic UTSA advantage. So if there's any opportunity before we lose control of uh, the Vegas ratings on this, I think we just got to keep fading uh, Middle Tennessee. So my very first lock uh, to get things going here for the week is I'm going to be taking on Friday night on the mothership UTSA minus six and a half. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you can trust MTSU at this point. Uh, but, but at the same time, I'm sort of like, like they can't possibly be this bad. Like oh, surely this starts know. to turn at some <laughs> point, but they've given us no indication to think otherwise. So yeah, I mean, sure, I guess. <laughs> I, I just love that it's the first first weekend of the season in which we have the SEC. We have a whole bunch of ACC teams who haven't been able to play yet finally getting on the field. 
And we're starting the locks pod with UTSA, <laughs> Middle Tennessee, baby. The number one team in the bottom, bottom 25 chips fade them. I love the thought process, but you know, UTSA is in that bottom 25 too. So that's something we should probably keep in mind. Two and oh, baby undefeated what? roadrunners. <laughs> So what what sort of he- what sort of headliner game have you got teed up first, Tom? Because I know pe- people are coming to the lock spot. They're excited about all the big SEC matchups. So we might as well follow up UTSA MTSU with whatever big timer you got teed up. All right. Well, I'm going to go right to the SEC game of the week. Chip, oh. hit the music. <laughs> We are following the trend that led us to lock infinity last week and a trend that I think should probably, it's not, it doesn't fill up my card entirely, but it is a trend that was very much a part of my thought process this week as I was preparing a card. And I got to tell you guys, I freaking love the board. I know that I was saying that this year I'm going to take it calmly. I'm not going to load up my card. I got eight games this week and I tried to, and I did pare it down. Honestly, it was more, I had to bring it down to eight, but Going to LSU, Mississippi State. First game of the season for both. LSU, tons of turnover. New coaches on both sides of the coaching staff. New players on both sides of the line. You know, you've got a new quarterback. You've got new receivers. You don't have Jamar Chase. Your defense is practically the entire thing got drafted last year. It's all gone. So it's new faces everywhere. We don't know what to expect. No real offseason to speak of. Then on the other side of the ball, there's Mississippi State. New coach. New offense, new everything. A lot of players that probably don't really fit what Mike Leach likes to do to begin with, although he did bring in KJ Costello to play quarterback. But again, now a new quarterback with a new team, with new players around him. First game of the year and the trend we mentioned last week. The under now. There have been 21 games between teams playing for the first time this season. The under has gone 15 and 6 in those 21 games. We've got a bunch more of those on the slate this week, but the one I like most of all would be this one. I'm taking Mississippi State at LSU under 57 and a half. I'm on it. I'm jumping on it with you. I, I love the under bandwagon play. I, I totally agree. I think you could see a team in LSU without Joe Brady, all those misses, uh, missing pieces kind of come sputtering out of the gate. Who the heck knows what Mike Leach's error rate is going to look like? My hunch tells me that KJ Costello, early on, finding his feet, you know, you might see some incompletes. You might see them struggling to find their footing as well. So I love the under as well. There are some trends. Like, I feel like LSU laying the 16 and a half is the right side. I kind of wanted to get on that as well. All five defending college football playoff champions covered their opener the next season. But guess what else hit? The under. Uh, the last five seasons in a row in those games, too. So of the trends, I like the under better than the favorite. If I was going to take a side, I would take LSU, but I'll take the under with you. I love that trend. The <laughs> That's under trend for the defending champs. Defending champs. That. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like fade them on ring night in basketball. <laughs> defending <laughs> champion unders, new principle. New principle, <laughs> add it to the card. You getting in on the SEC on CBS game of the week, Varden? No, I mean, I... I- I tossed this one around a little bit, but I've kind of gone back and forth. I think my, my initial inclination on this game was LSU laying the points. Um, I I actually had had the over written down at one point uh, because I do kind of feel like I think I think Mississippi State's defense might not be that good, uh, <laughs> and I do think LSU is still trotting out a bunch of five stars. They're still, you know. Um, Steve Insminger didn't go anywhere. Like I, I could see a scenario in which LSU scores, you know, 40 something points. Um, 
and and I think that I think of, and you think about Mike Leach and you're like air aid, air aid, oh. But I think what scared me off of it is I could see a scenario too where they just I'm more worried about in terms of the over, and I've, I guess I'm more comfortable with y'all's under because it just feels like I, I'm just envisioning Mississippi State's offense being really out of sync yeah. early in the season. Like I can like you're thinking like air raid, 50 points, 60 passes. I'm like 13 points. Like I could see, like I could see 13 points or something being scored by Mississippi State just because the timing isn't there, the comfort level isn't there. So I, ultimately, I'm staying away from this game because to me, these two teams with all the turnover you're talking about, Tom, um, are two of the the more uh, kind of unknown teams out there. So I, I'm I'm kind of scared of it. So I'm staying away. I think that the under is the right play. I'm not throwing it on there. I'm glad that it is 15 and six, Tom, because I pulled it uh, right out of you know where on CBS Sports HQ this week. I was like, teams meeting for the first time, and the number left me, and I was like, more than 70% in 15 and six is 71. So I did not give fake news to the people on CBS Sports HQ. Spitting truth. Yeah. Um, all right, who's who's up? So well, I'll take I, far. You go ahead, Bart. Go ahead. Well, look, uh, you you took who CBS has termed the game of the week. I might as well take the actual game of the week. <laughs> anybody, anybody got any guesses? Oh, Kentucky. Rhymes with Kentucky. So I'll let you know. You guys know what the play is. Is Kentucky <laughs> plus the points? Uh, that's the play. So it's what, what? What am I getting, Tom? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay, so we're still above a touchdown. Um, I, I'm I'm not look. I, I acknowledge how good Auburn could potentially be. I acknowledge that they've Bo Nix is coming back and they've got some good running backs and they've that, you know what is you know Chad Morris perhaps is going to open up this offense and and help the receivers be a little bit better um, defensively playmakers. They got players like they've got dudes. I just think Auburn. I, I think Kentucky matches up pretty nicely here. I mean, for this to be, if, if, if you're, if Kentucky is looking for a sort of a showcase, win, a, you know, beat a big name early in the season, pick the team you want. I think, I think Auburn's the right pick because Auburn, you know, their, their front seven, their defense has typically been their strength. Uh, but they, they reload. They lost a lot of those guys. They've got a, you know, they've got, Kentucky's offensive line, which is uh, one of the best in the country, and, and is, is my expectation. Um, I just think they'll be able to to slow the game down. I think they'll be able to. I think Auburn will be okay playing with their pace a little bit. We've seen Gus Malzahn early in the season, consistently year after year, being the, the like very content just getting out alive. Whether it's against Clemson, whether it's against Oregon, like he's content getting out alive. And Kentucky, this is their chance to be like to 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 step up to the table, sit at the big boy table, you know, Thanksgiving dinners coming around. They usually got to sit at the little side table with the kids. Here's the big table. And I, I just think they'll be prepared for this. I think Mark Stoops will have his guys motivated and ready to go. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking the points. So you're about to be six and 10 because we've got a lock fight. Fight, 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 fight. 
it, it kind of hurts me a little bit to be taking this pick because I I'm with you, Barton. I, you know, last when the Florida state job came open, I was pumping up Mark Stoops as the guy Florida state should go get. I, I love what he's done with the program. I think he's done a fantastic job. And on the other side, kind of all off season, I've been slagging Auburn a little bit because I'm not like a huge believer in Bo Nix. I'm not a big believer in Gus Malzahn. It's just this matchup first game of the year for me. I kind of think that, you know, Auburn has somewhat of an advantage simply because it does have, you know, Gus Melzahn. It does have Bo Nix, a returning starter at QB. And I think this year in any more than in any other season, having continuity at the quarterback spot, I think is going to be huge. Whereas Kentucky, we saw last year, continuity at the quarterback spot is not anything that exists for them. They they went through so many QBs. We ended up with Lynn Bowden there. But but Terry Wilson's a, play. Terry Wilson is like there is continuity at quarterback. Terry Wilson has been a starter at quarterback for Kentucky. He's coming off an injury. And we're looking at a situation where Auburn, I think, is just a more talented team. And we've talked, you of all people, Mr. Year of the Favorites, taking an (laughs) underdog right here. I just think that Auburn is the better team here overall. And I do have some concerns about their offensive line. I think that could be a problem for them going forward. But I I like it here as long as this is under eight and a half or eight. I'm not scared of the hook. And plus, Auburn just traditionally has been very good as a favorite against the spread. They're 10 and 13 the last 13 times they've been favored. At home, they're 9 and 3 in their last 12 against the spread. Meanwhile, Mark Stoops as a dog, as good as he's been and as much as he's built this team up, I was surprised to see how mediocre his Kentucky teams have performed against the spread when underdogs. In conference play, they're only 20 and 24. So I think Auburn is the right play here. That's the side I'm going to be on. So, I mean, Good luck to you, but you're, you're going to be six and ten. Chip, you in on this fight? Nah, nah. Are you? <laughs> no, I feel like I wanted to get on Auburn. You know, we did like Monday's podcast. Like, man, I like Auburn. I like the under, though. The one thing I know for sure is like I'm listening to Barton make the case for Terry Wilson. I'm listening to uh, you know Tom <laughs> make the case for Bo Nix. I'm like, these are two pretty pedestrian quarterbacks that we're going to see take. <laughs> We've got one in a new system. We have no idea what Chad Morris is going to do. You know, Lynn Bowden Jr. made that offense go last year, but the previous two years, they've been dead last in the SEC in passing. Kentucky has. Um, Auburn's Auburn's last five games, they've hit under five straight games in a row. Seven out of their last openers, Auburn's been under. I know it's low. I think it's at 49 and a half is the best I can get, but this game has ugly... And I think that's the way that Mark Stoops want this game. I think he wants this to be an ugly affair. So I'm going to take the under in this one. So to just to further my point here, <laughs> you're, I think you're I think you're right. Like they're both pedestrian quarterbacks. Um, but of the two quarterbacks, which one knows he's a pedestrian quarterback? Which one does the fan base think is a pedestrian quarterback? Which one does the coaching staff think is a pedestrian quarterback? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like they, Kentucky, they know what Terry Wilson is. I still think people are trying to like fit Bo Nix into this box of being like some franchise guy. Maybe he emerges into that. I mean, he was just a true freshman last year. Who knows? But I, I think that's a really good defense that Bo Nix is going to have to pick apart with a new offensive coordinator. And and there's a ton of con- talk about continuity, Tom. Kentucky is one of these teams. They have continuity. They have structure. They have uh, they they have a, a very clear culture that's that's been consistent year over year um, not that Auburn doesn't have those things but they are trying to install a new offense and, and that's one little element uh, at play so um, I'm I'm good with it I'm good with this fight like let, let, let's roll all right I'm gonna keep that under train going 
I like where you're at, especially in the SEC. Remember, as as Chip Patterson said, over 70% certified, no fake news right there. I want uh, – actually, I'll save that one. Uh, Texas A&M Vanderbilt. There's just going to be a lot of Vanderbilt plays for me this year. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Arkansas <laughs> plays for me this year. But in the Texas A&M Vandy game, I actually think I like the under here because I don't know how many points that Vanderbilt's going to score. And this Texas A&M offense, like especially losing Jamon Osmond, opting out, deciding he's going to get ready for the NFL draft. Some some new players that need to step up at the wide receiver position. I still am a little bit iffy. Like I don't I don't have a ton of confidence in any one player to be the the real leader in the running back room. So as Kellen Mond and this Texas A&M offense is trying to get its legs under it, of you know maybe got them ticked down just a little bit in my power ratings. Again, a lot of Vanderbilt plays for me this year. So we take the the, the first game for Texas A&M's offense and the fact that like on top of an anti Vanderbilt play, I think that Texas A&M's defense is going to be the reason why it's going to be good this year. And I think that especially up front, they are just going to uh, ruin whatever Vanderbilt tries to do offensively in the trenches with their defensive line. And so when you get these mismatches, you know, for the, for either Arkansas or Vanderbilt in SEC play, sometimes I'm going to be wanting to take the favorite. Sometimes I'm just going to go with the under on the principle that we're just not going to see many points from the heavy underdog here. So I will be locking up the Texas A&M Vanderbilt under. I, I, this is a this is a hard week for me because I actually went over hunting. Like I wanted to go find some overs. I can't find any overs. I'm they're all unders to me. And I got a couple of plays on the total. I don't have a play on this one. But I mean, if if anybody's got any overs that just to to sort of just dangle out in front of me, like I'm I, I'm willing to listen because this is really frustrating to have to just like totally get indoctrinated into y'all's underculture of which I, I had no intention of being part of. I have one for you. An over? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not locking it up. But if if you're looking for one, I've got one for you. I would take the over in Oklahoma, Kansas State. What's that number? Sixty. I think it is sixty and, and a half. half. Yeah, just the, this trend. It's Lincoln Riley home overs have been a very solid play. They're uh, they're only thirteen eight and two overall, which doesn't seem great. But what's more important is the average number of points scored in Oklahoma home games is seventy one point two under Lincoln Riley. So, <laughs> something maybe maybe you want to throw that on there. I'm just giving that to you if you want it. All right, so I'll I'll go ahead and give y'all my one of my just in. in one of my unders. One here. of your shameful um, unders. <laughs> I'm gonna cover my so face. Wait, Tom just gave you a, like I a softball to knock off the park, and you just passed on it. You're not jumping on it. I'm not jumping on it because you I, think I, I'm sabotaging you. <laughs> I have to stay focused here. I'm behind the chains. I got to stay on schedule. I can't can't let y'all distract me. So I'm gonna get back to my well researched play here of under fifty. Three, unless this is another number out there, under 53, Georgia, Arkansas. Uh, the, 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 the idea here is Georgia's going to win by a lot. But, I, you know, I was talking to um, my guy, Rusty Manziel. <laughs> and Rusty was, te- and, and we were just 
talking about something else. And I was like, so what's the deal with uh, Dwan Mathis? Like, how good is he going to be? And he's like, you know, he's like, oh, he's really talented. Yeah, he's like yeah, giving me the, like the, how talented um, he is sort of line. And, and, and then sort of on the way out of the, the explanation, he was sort of like, but, you know, he's a he's first-year starter, so they'll, I'm sure they'll protect him and, you know, t- uh, you know give, him, give him what he uh, – play it safe or whatever he said. And I was like, this – this sounds, this sounds like something that I can eat up here. You got Georgia with a new offensive coordinator with a first year starter. Who's a red shirt freshman who is talented, but they, you know, early on like kid gloves with them. Like, like, like Kirby smart needs any excuse yeah, yeah, to, to put on <laughs> kid gloves with his offense. Like he needs any excuse to just sort of reel it in and let his defense take care of things. Um, so like I, I this this to me strikes me as a an offense that will they'll have a lot of success because Arkansas just doesn't have the dudes yet. But I, I just I don't know that they're going to be um taking a lot of chances. I think they're probably gonna this is gonna be game one to just make sure they get comfortable in this new system with this new quarterback. And I don't and I think that Arkansas is not going to be able to move the ball on the best defense in college football. And so what's the, the number is, uh, is it 53? Uh, yes. I mean, I don't know, 38 to seven or something like that's big, big that's, Zeus white, James cook day. A lot of, a yeah. lot of, a lot yeah, of just handed just, that ball off a little play action, comeback routes. Just, just we're, we're going to, we're going to look, it's going to look like, uh, like Jake Fromm's running that offense out there. Yeah. I, I have an email to read from a, a listener and a student at Fernelli Tech who is thinking very much along the same lines as you, Barton. It's it, Here's the letter. Coach Fernelli, I hope Fernelli Tech had a safe and productive fall camp. I'd like to draw a particular Vegas over-under to your attention. It could deem quite profitable for the future of your program. The over-under for our beloved dog's first game against Arkansas opened at 53. Coach... As a current law student, this decision to play the under is grounded in prior case precedent. In 2019, led by a new offensive coordinator, the over-under for the dog season opening road trip to another SEC bottom feeder, Vandy, was set at 56 and a half. UGA realized the Commodores could not score and took their foot off the gas. The game ended with 36 points. We believe the same circumstances of that case strongly resemble the case at issue before the cover three court. Second, this theory was furthered by someone you may be familiar with, Mr. Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports. He said exactly the same thing about this game that I'm saying to you right now. Yes, Munkin is probably going to be an upgrade over Coley, but this is an offense that's had far less time to install a a QB who hasn't been hit in nearly two years, a new offensive line. Factor this in with the dogs returning defense. I do not anticipate the hogs scoring more than 10 points. I do not anticipate the dogs scoring more than 40. In conclusion, I do not ask for a personal shout out on the covered three locks pod. Well, you got one, but I do ask that when this lock hits, you bark into the microphone when chip goes over the prior week to enrage Florida and Auburn fans. It's all the peace I need for them to be angered by you barking when Georgia scored less points than predicted. You can't expect much else given their low intellect for spur the cover three's praises of my alma mater. Best regards, Will Dasher. So, Barton, lock agreement. I am also on the under in Georgia, <laughs> Arkansas. Dogs. <laughs> God. What a tech nerd. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and of course, he's a, he's a pre-law, right? Yes. <laughs> of course. Got to be. outstanding. Chip, you on this? Uh, I'm not in on this. Are you? No. I, was, I mean, I, I've been giving out Georgia minus 26 and a half on the same, like, it, it, when asked to pick this in the mini platforms, but it is not a lock uh, just because, you know, the... The, the confidence, Georgia doesn't care necessarily about winning 24 points versus 28 points. And so I, I didn't want to hand that out as, as something for the card. But my lean is is to go Georgia. I, I love the Georgia underplay in principle but because uh, it falls in line with my Vandy under. But my pick was Georgia minus 26 and a half. Not a lock. I don't mind. I'm, I'm going to stay away from it. Georgia was uh, hit eight of their final nine games. The under hit last year. Their unders were 11 and two overall last year. That was tied with San Diego State for the highest mark in the country. Their unders were seven and one in conference play. Good luck to you guys. I think it is the right play. I don't. I don't love it. All right. I can't believe you guys have left this one out there for me to jump all over. No one has touched Alabama playing a big number. Versus Eli Drinkwitz and the Missouri Tigers. I am going to jump on this one early on. And this is just the beginning of Bama's scorched earth tour. <laughs> Left out of the playoffs last year. You know, angry. They've, they, the hornet's nest has been kicked. And I think it all starts with a week one massive game. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any drop off in offensive production. Uh, I've been accused of hot takes before. This might be one. This is separate. I think Justin you? Herbert's going to have a better NFL career than Tua. That's just a separate note. Ooh. But And I think you're going to see it. I think whether it's Mike Mac Jones or Bryce Young, I think the offense is going to put up just as good a number. I think this is the new Bama, right? This is the... Um, the, like the, the, the Lane Kiffin era brought into fruition. They've continued the open, wide-open mindset on offense. I think that continues. Bama's covered 11 of their 12 openers, last 12 openers. None of them versus the SEC, though. But against Missouri, I referenced this one earlier in the week when I was on with uh, Tom. 3-0 and uh, since Missouri has joined the SEC, and the average margin of victory is 30. I want to jump on this number before it gets to 30 because it is moving in that direction. Where can I get it at now? Is it 27 and a half? 27, 27, I could find you. All right, I'll take it. Land 27. The other thing that I want to get on in this game as well, because this has played well early in the season, playing Clemson, some heavy favorites, and the unders as well. I'll take the under on this game as uh, also. I think... I think it's going to be a rough day for Missouri. I think Alabama's defense is going to be just like they've always been. Um, I think Sean Robinson is going to probably continue to play the way he played at TCU. I think it's going to be a long year. So I'm taking Bama, land 27, and the under. What's my number, 56? 56 mm-hmm. and a half if you want. Perfect. I'll take that. Danny, three of your four locks are unders, so I am going to go back into the Apple podcast feed and even though I've already given a five-star review, I'm going to add another five-star review and say Danny is amazing. <laughs> you know what's kind of crazy? I have been all over the unders in college and all over the overs in the NFL. It's interesting the different dynamic that's played out in the two. Because I think the unders have been more successful in college, but the overs have at the NFL level. Who knows? So I, 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 uh, ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm jumping on that Alabama under right there and is I we talk about Georgia having one of the best defenses in the country but yeah. I think Alabama's defense is going to be taking great leaps 
forward from the, where it played as a, as a young group, as an inexperienced group, banged up, depth was tested. Uh, I've been mentioning here on the podcast, I think that we it's been since Quentin Williams that we felt like we've had a really dominant Alabama defensive lineman, somebody that can be disruptive. And I've got Christian Barmore tagged as going to be that player this year for the Tide. And you, you look at Dylan Moses and the rest of that group. I don't think that Missouri gets to double digits in this game. I think that there's great pride uh, from Pete Golding's group in trying to uh, dial in and, and just snuff out opponents in, in an old school style fashion. So I will also be jumping on the uh, the under portion of that play right there. I, I thought about this game a little bit. I mean, in passing, and I I think I overthought it. Like I didn't, I couldn't figure out exactly what the right way on the side was. I think, Danny, your mentality is the right one. Like, just don't don't even think about it. It's like, all right, this is week one Alabama. They're going to steamroll this team, which is like a near-bottom team in the SEC East. I mean, of course, they're going to steamroll this team. So I actually really like that play. I, I'm, I'm kind of tempted to piggyback you, but I'm going to continue to stay disciplined and focus on my mechanics. Do you guys ever feel like you're always on? I mean, it, it can be really hard, especially when we're here in the middle of the season, to find a moment to chill. I mean, you want to find a, a little bit of a time to hit the reset button and, and get yourself ready for what's next. Well, there is one beer that is literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for any moment to unwind. So when you've been uh, really sweating out all of these unders that we are just loading up the locks pod with, sometimes you you just need to take a minute. You need to step away from the TV. You need to unwind. You need to hit the reset button. And Coors Light is perfect for those moments. And don't miss the new packaging from Coors Light. It's already hitting the shelves. The new design features clear skies that invite you to sit back, unwind, and drink it all in. And the iconic Coors Light Mountains, oh yeah, they still turn blue when your beer is as cold as the Rockies. It's the same brand new look, but same ice cold refreshment. So Coors Light is the one that we choose and we need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door. You don't even need to go find it on the shelves. You do that by going to CoorsLight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Listen, I'm going to have a Coors Light for every lock that I get right this week. So Saturday, <laughs> Saturday night show might be a little sloppy. Celebrate my responsibly. Next one, <laughs> <laughs> my next one, we're taking to, uh, I'm going to go to a game that I'm surprised hasn't come up yet. It's one of the bigger games of the weekend. It's another under. I am taking the under 54 in Miami, Florida State. I just think that this is a situation where Miami's offense went off against Louisville last week. It ran all over him, but Louisville's defense is bad. Louisville's rush defense was particularly bad in 2019, and it doesn't seem to be any better this year. But I think that Florida State's defensive line in particular is the best defensive line that Miami will have seen by a lot through the first three games of the season. So I do think that that offense, although it has had explosive plays, still hasn't been super efficient against the UAB team. And there were times in Louisville, the Louisville game still were kind of disappeared. So I think going against the Seminoles defense, the Miami offense that has been pretty good so far is probably going to have more struggles than we've seen at any point. I think this is going to be a lower scoring affair as rivalry games tend to be. And the under 
is eight and one the last nine times these two teams have played. So that's where I'm going under 54. You're not alone there uh, because we had it at 56 and a half at the beginning of the week. And this mm-hmm. thing is starting to tick down. Is there a ceiling where you would not a ceiling? Is there a floor where you would start to get uh, a little bit hesitant? 52 and a half. 52 and a half. All right. That, what's it, lock or not, Danny? How are we, how are we feeling? Pull, pull to Danny's uh, Noel Nation. <laughs> Principle alone, I can't touch this game. I just, I, I, there's too much emotion involved in it. I initially in the week thought 11, 11 and a half was way too big of a number for a rivalry game. There are conflicting trends all over the place in this one. Miami, uh, as a touchdown or more favorite. Um, in ACC play have been one and six, um, or excuse me, Miami's lost five consecutive ACC games outright when favored by a touchdown and six straight against the spread. So that's there, but Florida state has been atrocious, uh, in their last six games, zero, six, and one uh, in their last seven games as a touchdown underdog. So like there's conflicting trends all over the place. Emotionally, I'll be rooting for Florida state. I don't love their chances. I do like the under. Uh, for a lot of those reasons that Tom had uh, Tom had mentioned, and from just watching Florida State's offense sputter, watching it try to you know start and stop the inconsistency that's there, I don't trust the quarterback right now. I do feel like the like this is, to me is a live bet game. I want to see because if Florida State can stay in it for the first quarter, then I might even jump all over the and especially if it's ugly. But I could also see if it gets sideways early, if they go down ton nothing, I'm concerned about the psyche of the team. Do they go in the tank? Does it just get ugly? So I'm going to avoid this game. I do like the under, and I would take Florida State. And just because of the principle of a rivalry game, I think Florida State will contend. But I just there's nothing I feel good about from a locks perspective in this one. I'm going to keep it in the ACC. I, uh, I think we learned something from Miami-Louisville. I think we learned that there are patches of grass that Louisville's defense will allow you to send skill players out and just go get squatters right rent to. I think that while I am not all in on Pitt as a fully well-rounded team that is on the same upper tier, like I've got Clemson, I've got Notre Dame, and I've got Miami. And that's where I draw the line right now. I think that that, then you start to take a little bit of a step down and North Carolina, Pitt, and Louisville are probably in that next tier in the ACC. But that matchup where the best thing that Louisville can do, which is move the ball offensively, is going up against Pitt's defense, which is one of the best in the ACC, you flip to the other side. And I think that Kenny Pickett and the wide receivers in particular – Barton's guy, Jordan Addison, who is the most targeted wide receiver as a true freshman, gets moved around in the offense. He's Kenny Pickett's favorite target already. I think they have the same kind of success throwing the ball that Derek King did. I don't think the cards are going to be able to fix things right away. And I, I go back to the Syracuse game. It was a game that Pitt dominated. Like that 21 10 score is not representative of the way the game played out. Pitt just could not get out of its own way. Uh, another X Factor player here is Paris Ford, All American candidate at safety. He's got two interceptions already on the season. When uh, I think that when. 
Tutu Atwell gets moved all over the offense, but when he's in the boundary, it's going to be Paris Ford trying to keep eyes on Tutu Atwell. That is a phenomenal uh, matchup of potential future pros right there. He, uh, Paris Ford's also a big part of their uh, run defense, just with good vision and flying to the ball. So I, I think that for Pitt, having that Kenny Pickett passing attack, is the tiebreaker when strength on strength is Louisville's offense against Pitt's defense. It's a huge, huge game for the Panthers. And so at three points, you can get two and a half. I will. I will yes, let's go. I, I will take two and a half. Uh, lock it up. Lock agreement. I'm on it for a lot of the same reasons you are, Chip. Just I, I refuse, after watching that Louisville defense last week, I refuse to trust that team for a while until I see some improvement on that side of the ball because as much as I enjoy watching that offense, particularly seeing them give up two 75-yard touchdowns on consecutive plays, I was like, all right, no, I'm done. They were just that, – that, that, that was just awful. But another fun trend here. In pit games that are supposed to be close – so anytime like they're either three and a half point dogs between there and three and a half point favorites, Pat Narduzzi has gone 12, five and two against the spread at Pitt in those kind of games. So when it's a close kind of game, like we, we question Narduzzi, some of his in-game decisions at times, like when to take timeouts, when to go for field goals and when to go for two, whatever he's doing, when it comes to games that are supposed to be closed, He's doing something right because you don't get to be 12-5-2 and two against the spread in those situations by accident. So I'm with you. I'm taking Pitt minus two and a half. <clears throat> I think you guys are on the right side of this. I, uh, I agree. Um, my play, I'm, I'm playing this game. Um, I'm, playing, I'm playing the under. And I feel like this is a, like that's a, it's a, there's a tough one for me to pull the trigger on because you just, when you think Louisville, you think these like <clears throat> splash plays, you think big plays on both sides of the ball. Like they're giving up big plays and they're, and they're uh, generating big plays. And so I'm a little bit like scared to play this, but I think it's the right side. Um, and part of the reason that, that I think it's the right side is the more you dig into Louisville's defense, the more you sort of realize that this this defense is not maybe as bad as they appear. Um, they they've given up some big plays, and when they give up big plays, like they're huge plays. But like in terms of uh, defensive success rate uh, against the rush, they're 16th in the country. Like they're not bad. They they against Miami, they were pretty good against the run, except for a couple of those big plays where they just got totally gassed. I think Pitt is they're they're I think their offense is. Perfectly competent, but I don't I don't fear those big plays quite as much. Uh, I think on the other side, as good as Louisville is offensively, their defense or their offensive line is 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 still spotty, and Pitt's defensive line is awesome, <clears throat> sick, yeah. yeah. So I just think this is the right side. So I'm going under 55 and a half. And I saw Louisville fans do that thing where it's like. Hey, you know, the defense, if you take out these four right. plays, it was actually only this many yards per play allowed to, to which I would say, number one, isn't the point of an up-tempo offense to like move you to the speed that you do hit those explosive plays. And then number two, it wasn't as much the 75 yard touchdowns as it was given up 14 yards on third and 11. There was a lot of yep. really poor situational 
third down defense where you could have gotten off the field and it seems like you had stuffed the run on first down. You maybe even like got to Derek King, forced him to throw it away on second down. But when you gave up that just drive uh, extending play, that's, that was probably where where my eyes uh, decided to agree that it's not just those explosive plays juicing the stats. You know, if you take away all our losses, we're undefeated. <laughs> just saying. I so bad want to take a fight with you guys. I just I I don't love the fact that you just made Kenny Pickett sound like he was challenging Trevor Lawrence as the best quarterback in the ACC. Kenny Pickett of twenty seven career touchdowns and seventeen interceptions. I just I on principle alone. But I do think Pat Narduzzi, great coach. I don't trust Louisville. And I can't decide what I don't like that or that the quarterback for Louisville changed his name during the week. Like that, that's on <laughs> principle alone. That one bothers me as well. But hey, to, our, to each his own, what he wants to do. We haven't closed out the SEC, have we? Because no. I have another game in there that no. I want to go back to. And I want to hit it before the line moves again because I've seen it bouncing around. The Florida Gators traveling to Oxford to take on Lane Kiffin in the lane, the beginning of the Lane Kiffin era uh, there for Ole Miss. Kyle Trask, very rarely do we hear quarterback stats against the spread, especially his college. May, may, may make some people feel uncomfortable. But he is 7-2-1 and two and one against the spread. Um, Gator 6-0 uh, and oh as a favorite. Dan Mullen, 6-1-1 one one on the road um, as, a fa- or, uh, as a favorite. I'm going to take the Gators laying 13 and a half in this spot. I think the Gators are the best team in the East. I think they've got continuity. Yes, they've got pieces to replace, but the system remains the same. The quarterback remains the same. I have no idea what we're going to see from Lane Kiffin. I feel like the over is a play here. Barton, if you wanted to get on that, I'm not going to touch it. But I do think the Gators are going to roll in this one. And I'm thrilled that I saw it bouncing around at 14, 14 and a half. If I can get it at 13 and a half under that two touchdown number, you I'm going to jump all over that. So I'm going to get it. Is there a 14 and a half on the board? Uh, let me see. There are 13 and a half, 13, 13. No, that's, it only goes as high as 14. Uh, you know what? Let's uh, do it. Fight, fight, Ooh. fight, fight. I can't believe I'm fight. taking the Gators side. <laughs> Wait, so what are you getting at that uh, uh, chip? You're getting at 14, 14 or 13 and a half? 14. 14. Um, so I am fading the team that just got picked to win the East. I'm fade. Did you see the dispersion of first place votes from the SEC preseason media poll? Florida is everyone's favorite. They are the darling of the SEC media. They have been crowned as the heir apparent to the SEC championship game. We're going back, baby. This is it. We've got a Tim Tebow-looking quarterback with his high and tight and his thick old neck, and we've got an old assistant that was there for the glory days. Oh, I can just feel 2008. It's all around me right now. No, 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 no. I'm jumping on the other side of that Florida hype. I'm going with the explosive playmaking. It's a noon kickoff in Oxford. If that defense is, if Todd Grantham's defense does that thing where they're over aggressive, then Lane is going to hit him up for a big play. And if I need only what, like, mm, I don't know, maybe need like 21 points probably to cover this spread. I I think I can between Jerry Ely and the skill players that are still there at Ole Miss. I 
I think I can get enough explosive plays to be able to uh, to keep it within this number. It is going to get dicey if uh, if Florida's offense comes out and it's just, if the drive chart looks like touchdown, 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 I will admit this is going to be a lock fight loss. But first game on the road, a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm looking for tight butts on the Gator side, and uh, and and I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take the lane train here. Um. So, Danny, I'd like to formally welcome you to the pod. Um. You know, early in the season, locks things have been going great. One thing you might not have read in your welcome packet is there is a. There's a rogue dentist running around the country um, making significant wagers uh, to a fair level of success. And when the dentist sniffs out a line he likes on an old Miss game, you don't, you don't typically want to be on the other side of it. <laughs> and the dentist has uh, conveyed that his favorite bet of the weekend in a weekend of slates that he loves is Ole Miss and the points. Yes. So, Chip, welcome to the welcome the dentist over to your side. He says, Ole Miss plus four. He had it at 14 and a half. We're going to give it to him at 14. This one is based on strange results. Every time these two play in the last 20 years, they played five times at Ole Miss is three and two. And U.S. last win was an upset in the swamp the weekend after Ole Miss beat Alabama in 2015. The game before that was 20, 2008. That was the famous Tebow crying game when Ole Miss somehow beat the eventual national champion Gators in the swamp. So while I fully expect Florida to win due to better personnel. I would not be surprised if this one gets weird. In fact, of those five games, only one of them has been decided with more than six points. Uh, so the dentist is, uh, is back and just, just he, he did win. The, he gave me a pick last <laughs> week. I didn't play it. He won the pick, so I will allow him back in until he loses. I love love having the uh, the dentist on my side there. For uh, he, had, I was, he had UCF last week. I, I was about to say that I was on Danny's side until I found out the dentist. <laughs> well, now I'm just staying the hell away from this game. Don't want nothing to do with it. All right, uh, coming up on the other side, more of our week four locks next. As one door closes, another opens. The 2020 fantasy baseball season is over, but 2021 prep is just beginning. Join Scott White and me, Frank Stample, on Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, as we take an early look at position previews, review mock drafts, and react in real time to the MLB hot stove. Not only that, we'll be welcoming in some of the best guests in the industry to try and figure out what was real and what wasn't from the abbreviated 60-game season. Listen Tuesdays and Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. Okay, open floor. Who wants it? Uh, Well, so if we're trying to just kind of clear our card of SEC games, um, I I can't imagine I'm the only person that's – sees something he likes in the Tennessee South Carolina game. No, no, uh, you're definitely not. Yeah, yeah. And I well, bet don't we save our money line sprinkles till the end. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> uh all right. Well so maybe uh it's not what I thought you were gonna say. Oh. I am on I'm on the vaults. Um I think what's the what what's my best number right now, Tom? You can get it at Tennessee oh where are you? There you are. Tennessee minus Three and a half. Oh, it's already up to three and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I um I will take it at Tennessee minus three and a half. Full disclosure, I personally, when I play this game, will probably buy the hook 
because I think that this is a, a game that could be decided in the margins, could be decided by, by some by some thin thin margins along the way. But I think this is one of these games where uh, I am just sort of trusting my eyes on the personnel front. I think Tennessee has a better roster than South Carolina's roster. I think Tennessee has has revamped things in a pretty substantive way over the last two seasons. Um, and I think this roster comes into this game in good shape. You've got South Carolina with a new quarterback thrice having ACL tears along the way, a new offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo, who is being billed by me included as the best offensive coordinator Will Muschamp has had. But let's like not forget the last time Mike Bobo was coordinating offenses in the SEC. There was there was weekly calls from Georgia fans to get his ass out of town. Like they were very like, you know, it wasn't exactly some sort of all hail Mike Bobo situation. So the the idea that somehow he's going to come in and they're going to be like, you know, Cliff Kingsbury all of a sudden is, is not quite resonating with me. So I think Tennessee with better players, uh, I think their offensive line is really good. I think they've got two really good running backs. Their, their receivers, I don't love, but they've got some young guys I think they can uh, pop in to provide some speed and, and vertical threat. Uh, defensively, I think this team is very improved. And I just don't know how South, like South Carolina doesn't have a, a, a running back they can really trust. They don't have a wide receiver they can really trust. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, they have a quarterback I guess they like, but I, I, how much can we really trust them? So I just think Tennessee is is the better team. Um, they need to win this game because if they don't, that that doesn't speak highly of their uh, their their resurgence in the in the conference. So I don't even know what sound effect you have, Chip, for a lock fight and a money line <laughs> sprinkle. But like, there's got to be something in there, something in your bag of tricks. So so this I, is a lock fight. You're gonna What's lock. Oh, okay, so oh, you're gonna. Yeah. So you can save. We 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 get where you're going on the sprinkle. Let's we'll, we'll save the sprinkle for later. <laughs> but let's make sure fight. that we get the uh, the fight. fight in there. Fight. There we go. Yeah. So we got the fight. I so this is a, for me, this is one of those something is up with this game because everything Barton that you said makes a lot of sense, right? And when I initially looked at this line. I thought Tennessee would have been a six-point favorite. That's what I probably would have pegged the line at. The fact that it wasn't just kind of gets those antennas up a little bit. So then I start looking at it. So let me just tell you what happens when you Google Jared Quartano. The first three articles that come up are why Jared Quartano is Tennessee's starting uh, QB. How much leeway will Jared Quartano get this season? QB Quartano opens as undisputed starter for number 16 volts. That's the best one that you can find out there. But there's a question marks abound around the quarterback. Again, not certain. Something tells me that if Colin Hill did uh, win the job over Ryan Holinsky, who showed a lot of promise, very up and down, but natural raw ability, that there is a comfort level there with Mike Bobo's system. Reminder, Tennessee lost their two best offensive weapons at wide receiver. I don't know how that's going to work. Will Muschamp is a defensive-minded coach. I think he'll be able to I think he'll be able to make this game ugly, kind of like we were talking about Kentucky versus Auburn. I think this game might be an uglier affair. You get a lot of wisdom with three ACLs that come your way. That brings a lot of maturity, decision-making skills honed in. There's just something about this game that feels like it's off. I'm going to take the Gamecocks here 
on the other side. So I've got to play on this game, but it's on the total. Under. And yeah. And, and it's a lot of Yeah. A lot of what Danny and Barton said kind of make the point for me. It's like, I don't know about this quarterback. I don't know about this quarterback. I don't know about Mike Bobo. Because let's keep in mind, Mike Bobo said, I think, about two or three weeks ago that I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of hurry up offenses are ruining football and he hates them and he wants to slow things down. That is music to my ears. <laughs> I hope South Carolina runs 25 plays all day, averages four and a half yards per play while doing it. I'm taking the under here. Uh, what's Let's see. What's the best I can get it? Can we get it at 43? I know it's 42 and a half. Uh, you can get it at 44, oh, actually, let's at go. William Hill. Okay. Shout out to uh, our partners at William Hill. I This is uh, first game principle. This is old old ball coach rock fight principles. You know, like any anytime you get any, any of these old SEC just like lifers against each other, they don't want to see 30 on the board. Like they, they don't, they, they yeah. are repulsed by anything that moves too fast or scores too much. I... All week I've been saying I had twenty one twenty in my head, and then I saw twenty one twenty was dangerously close <laughs> to where it was set. So I'm clearly not the only one here. But man, what's a like like what's an SEC Saturday if you're not sweating a low forties SEC East <laughs> under? So give it to me. I'm taking the I under. Could just, I'm just laughing at the idea of Will Muschamp and Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> Meeting at the middle of the field before the game, and Pruitt say, "Hey, hey, hey, Must, hey, doing, man, Must Chance, hey, JP, what's going on? Hey, we're gonna keep this one under twenty today, right? We're good there, right? Like, we don't want to do any of that crazy ball fence stuff, right? It's Just like shake hands and walk away. Yeah, I mean, like especially, yeah, this is just gonna be uh, reminiscent of." I mean, I'm seeing punts from the uh, the opposing 40-yard line, you know, because what's more important than field position, right? A lot of field position decisions being made in this game. So Yeah, I, the, my, my concern with my play of Tennessee minus three is, like, I could see this being, like, Tennessee wins 2018 or, like, you know, like <laughs> just a weird one or two-point win. Um, so I, that, that, that's, that is a little bit of a sweat for me there. 2018. So have we touched every Beautiful. SEC game then? We've got a piece of every single one of them, I think, don't we? Uh, Here to serve. Yeah. <laughs> We've been waiting for so long. We've been waiting. We need it. We've got a piece of every single one, all seven. I'll take us to the uh, group of five game of the week. Take us Go there. for it. <laughs> so I, I, I'm making a very risky decision here because – I'm trusting Army's defense. I am thinking that Desmond Ritter and Cincinnati did not look like so far Cincinnati in its very, very limited sample size. Like wasn't awesome. Like they got uh, some good field position and they were able to, uh, you know, they've, they've got a, a successor to Michael Warren and, and they feel like they feel good about feeding the running back in the same way that they did a year ago. But on a down-to-down basis, not not all that impressive. Again, like because Army has its uh, its sample size where it's you know, scored more than seventy, only given up a single touchdown. You look at the opponents and you're like, yikes! You know, or, or should we take anything away from that? But I think that that Army defense can play well enough 
And then, of course, uh, Cincinnati's defense, we believe under Luke Fickle to be very, very strong. I think that this is a game that uh, that ends up going under. I think it's a game where Cincinnati is very methodical. We know Army to be very methodical. And so I will be taking the Army-Cincinnati under. Again, this is really trusting Army's defense and not believing in this narrative that Desmond Ritter is taking all these big steps forward at the quarterback position. But give me the Black Knights. Give me the under. So I can get you 45 and a half. Beautiful. On the other side of a key number. Let's go. I'm also on this game, but I'm not on the total. I am taking, I'm sticking to, you know, a, a general principle of taking option teams as underdogs, particularly when they're two touchdown underdogs. Like I can get Army at 14 points. I'm going to take it. And it's for a lot of the same reasons you like the under. Uh, I, I think, I don't think Cincinnati looked terrific in this game, even, you know, against Austin P. I just thought that there was a lot of kind of hesitation there. But again, it was also the opening game and maybe they weren't really taking it too seriously. So I don't know how much stock to put in it, which is kind of why I'm scared of the under. But I do know that under Jeff Munkin, anytime Army has been an underdog of three and a half points or more, it is 18, nine and one against the spread. So that's the direction I'm going. I'm taking Army plus 14. Seems right. Um. All right, you'll go back to the uh, to the old Big Twelve. Ooh, let's do, do it. it. I like where you're Lubbock? headed. I got a couple. I got a couple Big Twelve treats. Um, the first one is West Virginia, Oklahoma State. My my Cowboys, <laughs> my Pokes. Uh, they are um, coming off of an underwhelming performance. But Spencer Sanders, while he, I believe, practiced some this week, maybe in, in limited fashion, um, I'm not totally convinced he's going to play. Um, I think, you know, they they got a couple offensive linemen banged up last week uh, late in the game of an offensive line that, that was already wasn't that good against Tulsa. Uh, West Virginia, I mean, they, they beat them last year. I mean, this isn't a team that can't upend them. Uh I think that this game's played in like the low twenties. I think that this is a game that, uh, you know, Oklahoma State still has a lot to iron out, and I think West Virginia is like you're going to give me a touchdown plus. I feel like that's some pretty good value on a t- game that's just going to be close. Um, I'm not saying West Virginia wins, though they might. Uh, I, I just I think there was enough holes in that game last week to tell me that West Virginia is going to, uh, going to cover the number. So give me West Virginia plus seven and a half. Neil Brown, apologist Barton Simmons has entered the chat and (laughs) Danny, what happened? What happened with Iceman Maverick coalition? uh, It's done. This is done. This is it's, it's over. It's done with this one. I actually like Oklahoma state here a lot. I'm seeing the number down to six and a half on my side, which I'd love that I can get it there. I think this is a massive overreaction. I had a bunch of West Virginia uh, fans calling this week to the radio show. They were fired up over a 56 to attend to win over Eastern Kentucky. Like I'm like, you guys know what happened to them versus Marshall, right? They actually looked better. Um, I'm, I kind of feel like, we forget that nobody like that was Oklahoma State's first game. 
Like that's their kind of warm-up game. They sputtered. It was ugly. It didn't infuse a lot of confidence. I feel like you're jumping off the Oak State. You're jumping off that bandwagon too soon. I think after this week, and I love what Neil Brown is doing at West Virginia. I think they're heading the right direction. The Matt Deggie, uh, you know, project looks like it's going pretty good. Had a good game. But I think Oklahoma State's defense, I think like, that was the story of the win against Tulsa. They looked fine. I feel like the offensive line will get some of their issues going. I feel like you'll see a healthy dose of Chuba Hubbard this week. I feel like Oklahoma State will have a better game plan. They will win by a touchdown or more. So here, from here's, the, six and a half. here's another thing that jumped out to me. So this is this was the this was the first thing that sort of got this game on my radar. And this is not a um this is not a way this is not how you should pick games, but it was something that just sort of alerted me to just, all right, let's look at this game, see if I like it. Uh, the the 24-7 sports team talent composite, it it's, has some holes in it right now because teams aren't updating their rosters completely, and so it's not a complete product to this point, but there 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 is some um, some some truth to it, uh, you know, if you look at it. And right now, West Virginia's roster is 46th in the country, and Texas Te- – uh, I'm sorry, and um, – uh, Oklahoma State's roster is 42nd. So, like, yes, I know, I know how good Chuba Hubbard is, but he's sort of negated by how good that offensive, how bad that offensive line is, and that offensive line has now lost potentially, like, the like, what's the numbers at, like, uh, five starters basically from uh, between last year and this year. Uh, I think, and and Jared Daigie's going to be probably the best quarterback on the field if Spencer Sanders is play. Now, certainly Spencer Sanders could play, and that could change everything, but. I just think, again, I, I'm not saying Oklahoma State's going to lose, but this is I think this is going to be a low-scoring, close game. I, I'm i not going to lock it up, but Oklahoma State unders is still a principle, and if it turns into a spray-the-board Saturday, I might... <laughs> I might. <laughs> I might be uh, be looking at that one. So I uh, I like what you're saying about low scoring. I'm not going to be locking it up, but uh, Oklahoma State unders certainly something I, that I'm circling there. I will say it, it is the temperatures are supposed to be in the 90s for this game, but so it can it cannot qualify for a wonder. But 15 to 17 mile per hour winds blowing through Boone Pickens Stadium on Saturday. So a lot of hot air blowing through on Saturday. Those two passing attacks trying to throw through 15 to 70 mile hour winds. Come on now. Come on. Uh, all right. I've got, um, I'm going to keep it in the big 12. I'm not going to overthink it. Like Alan Bowman put up some big stats against the Houston Baptist church, you know, Alan Bowman and that whole offense, they were, they had it, they had it cooking, you know, but Houston Baptist also, you know, they, they, they rolled right through Texas Tech's defense. <laughs> Texas Tech's defense might might be real bad. And as I'm looking at this, uh, this Big 12 landscape where Texas kind of, uh, you know, might, might be there. They might be sniffing around. They might be sniffing around that B word. I, I kind of think that 18 points is too short of a line, uh, even with the game in Lubbock. I just, I think that Texas is going to go into this game and they are going to win very handily. Uh, they're going to win this game by 21 to 24 points, maybe even more. I'm going to need Texas's defense to 
be able to do some bend but don't break because I do think that the Raiders are going to be able to get some yards. But it's almost like in the year of the favorites, in the idea of the teams that are really good are going to be able to just handle things. Uh, I think that Texas is, without a doubt, the better team. So give me Texas. Is 18 the best number I get? Yeah. 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 I, I'm scared of this game. I'm with you because like I think Houston Baptist had around 600 yards of offense against Texas Tech, which is just ridiculous. But I remember, you know, Texas Tech's defense stunk last year, and I remember I was on Texas in that game last year, and they made a game of it, and I lost. So I'm, I'm a little hesitant to jump back on, but I think you're on the right side. I think fading Texas Tech in 2020 could be a very strong play. Anything on the uh, the total there, Tom? It's up to 70 and a half. I don't know. This game to me, Texas. So with Tom Herman, they're 0-4 against the spread as a two-touchdown favorite in Big 12 play since 2017. Like, it's not a spot that he excels in, but I still feel like Chip's on the right side. Like, I think, you know, uh, Sam Ellinger had career highs last week and yardage and touchdowns. He had five touchdown passes. Like, I feel like Texas is focused. feel like they're on the mission. I would be on the same side as you, Chip, but I just don't. I don't love it. And I kind of want to take the under since it's getting up there so high. But Texas Tech overs were seven and one and one last in conference play last season. So it's just like I don't like I want to be I want to see affirmation in some of my thoughts and I'm not finding them. So I'm just avoiding this one. I got one play left on the card. Okay, And it is a play I've been talking about all week and it is still sitting there. And it is NC State yeah. plus seven against Virginia Tech. I here we I'll remind you again. Earlier this week, Justin Fuente said that they're going to be without a lot of players, and he just hopes they can play the game. <laughs> that does not instill a lot of confidence in me in the Hokies heading into this game. And as we record, the game is still scheduled to take place, and fingers crossed that it does because, man, I want to get NC State and the seven points against the team playing its first game of the year who's not even sure it's going to have enough players to play. Lock it up. Anybody else want to get in on it? I'm, the I mean, I'm tempted to just jump on because the, I, I liked I liked the idea of NC State plus the points. Anyways, maybe I'm just getting a little bit too um, drunk off of their week one showing against uh, Wake of all teams. Um, I'm, I'll probably stay away, but I'm very I am tempted to jump on there with it. The only the only reason I'm not jumping on it is I just know coaches the way they sandbag. Like, yeah. I wonder if they're, like, getting back to full speed and Justin Fuente is just like, oh, I don't know how we're going to field a team. And they're going to go out there and they have, like, full participation. That's the only thing that makes me nervous. Virginia Tech's social media account was tweeting, as of this morning, practice photos with, like, hashtag dialed in, hashtag lunchbox mentality, hashtag whatever else they've uh, they've got going right now. So, it. it here in Raleigh, the is the game going to be played is very much on in terms of the watch. And right now, signs are pointing to that for uh, for, for your play, Tom. Could be kind of the under, you know, um, the shorthanded team, you know, renewed focus uh, forces everybody to up their game kind of deal. And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's one to stay away from. I'm, I'm staying away. Um, I got another, I got another AC. I got another ACC game though. Okay. Um, and I have another Big Twelve game. I have two more games on my slate. Uh, so Duke, Virginia. Duke is let's see, Virginia is a five point favorite, right? Is that where we're at at this point? 
Mm, yes. So I, I actually was – I was really wanted to play Duke this week. I wanted – because I felt like last week's game was – that's it was a little bit fluky. They gave up some big plays downfield. They gave up – like they had some crazy – turnover situation red zone came up short like that game could have been very different than how it turned out against bc um i mean when you when you lose a turnover battle five to nothing of course things are, are, are not going to look pretty on the scoreboard um so i came into this week sort of expecting to like duke but they lose both their cornerbacks to to injury um including mark gilbert who's who's really good uh they they're playing a virginia team that in in this in this theory that I have, which I guess didn't even really proven at this point, but the my spring theory practice is, theory, the what? The spring practice theory? No, not the spring practice right. theory. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've already At gotten rid point, of that one. <laughs> that one's done. I tried that for one week and it didn't work. My theory is the my, my theory about like the culture, like all right, teams with strong culture, team with experience, team with continuity, Virginia. At this point, like we're we're a long way away from Brocko Mendenhall being like we got thirty five guys that can play ACC football or whatever it was that he he said uh, a few years back. Now they've got a roster that's fully indoctrinated into the the Bronco Mendenhall culture. Their experience, they've got a quarterback in Brennan Armstrong that beat out Keaton Thompson for the starting job. Uh, only relevant because I think Keaton Thompson is at least a a, a serviceable option, and he. He out-competed him. He won the job. So I, I have some confidence in the quarterback position. And just in looking at their depth chart, um, Virginia has – there's only three starters on their entire depth chart that are not juniors or seniors. It's the quarterback, it's a defensive it's a linebacker, and it's defensive lineman Juwan Briggs, who was like an elite four-star prospect when he arrived at, uh, and played last year. Uh, they've got eight senior starters on defense. I just think Virginia is better than people are giving them credit for coming into this season. I think they come into this game more prepared than people are ready to acknowledge. And I think that uh, five points is not quite enough. And and I, again, I'm a little bit nervous because I think Duke is, is, is one of these teams right now early in the season that's given us some mixed signals and Duke might come to play. But I'm just going to take a Virginia team that I think is better. Yeah, I'm staying away from this game because Duke is terrifying in terms of trying to figure that team out. It might be time to bail or they could bounce right back. If you're, I think I had to pick this game for a, a CBS Sports article and I took the under, but that's just, uh, you know, replacing Bryce Perkins. Uh, Duke, Duke's red zone offense has been horrible through two games. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely keeping my distance from it. You're muted. Yeah, I I found you a four and a half, a third time I'll take charm. It. I was kind of <laughs> hoping there could be a number out there a little lower. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So I think that should. I like it. I was I'm so somewhat of a spoiler alert. I was considering Duke also as my money line sprinkle this week originally too, but then seeing the same things you saw with the injuries they had on defense, I I backed off of that one. I think I'm tapped out. Danny, you got anything? I got one more because I'm looking at my well, my slate here getting pretty full, but I've like had probably going to get canceled anyway. At least one or two of them, so might as well play a couple extra <laughs> just in case. Because I was bummed last week that Houston uh, Houston Baylor game got canceled. Uh, Kansas State plays Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma. And I think the initial reaction is Kansas State shocked the world last year, beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to run them, right? Oklahoma's going to have their revenge game. Uh, Oklahoma, when they're favored by four touchdowns under Lincoln Riley, they're one and five against the spread. Um, I feel like and Kansas State was not impressive versus Arkansas State. It was a fun game. They did show the ability to put up points. This one, to me, I think has Oklahoma 24-point win all over it. Um, I feel like this is just – I just have a feel about this game. Some of the trends that are coming in, there's a lot of money coming in on Oklahoma. I think it's the wrong side. The other thing – that I do want to take is the under in this game. So both, I'm taking Kansas State, getting 28, and I'm going to take the under 61, I think is the best number. You got that, Tom? You see that? Yes. Both teams last year's, um, Kansas State was 9-4-1 on the unders. Oklahoma was 8-5-1 on the unders. Combined, that's 17-9-2. I'm going to take the unders, uh, the under as well in this game. A lot of unders for me this week. Barton, now you can get a lock fight with that Oklahoma. I know. Don't, don't think I didn't recognize that. Danny trying to bait me into a lock fight earlier in the show. <laughs> Just coming out ornery on week three. <laughs> I, I, I'm not playing this one. I got okay. one more Big 12 play. Okay. Let's go. Uh, I'm I'm going to Kansas Baylor. I know I said Ugh. I was going to run to the window to take Kansas over the win total this year. But this is not where the winds start to kick in <laughs> for Kansas. Uh, the number is 17 and a half. 17, if you 17. want 17, good. Give it to me at 17. I think Baylor is going to absolutely roll these guys. Uh, I think that there's just like the, the, the way Kansas has to mature and the places that they need to mature, I don't think match up well for this Baylor team. Um, I think that their their offense is going to be their offense is experience. They got plenty of guys coming back on offense. They should be good there. Larry Fedora is going to want to flex his muscles a little bit in that second half. They're going to run the score up a little bit. Um, and, and I think that the defense is 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 perfectly capable of handling Kansas. I just think the number's too small. I just I don't I just think the number's too small. So I, I'm taking I'm taking Baylor. All right, all the locks are out. All this left are money line sprinkles. Yep. All right. Just as you know. We conclude every single locks episode with our money line sprinkles results so far. Uh, Tom's Miami money line sprinkle plus one twenty five. One Barton uh, Houston plus one seventy did not get played. Uh, the, my Georgia Tech plus two forty was a loss. Danny's Miami money line sprinkle was a win. Uh, Tom, what is your money line sprinkle? Do we perhaps have the Dino drop ready? <gasps> yes, we do. <laughs> All right, let's go. Close your eyes, boy. Visualize this. You're in the carrier dome. The house is filled. The feeling is electric. The noise is deafening. You have a defense that is relentless. You have a special teams that has been well coached. <laughs> well coached! You have an offense that will not huddle. And you have a game that's faster than you've ever seen on turf. Open your eyes. That's going to be a reality. 
that's going to be Syracuse football. The Q's is back in the dome this weekend, boys. <laughs> Q's is played a Georgia Tech team that, you know, it beat Florida State in the season opener, but it got run last week by UCF. It is a team that is still developing and still getting to where Jeff Collins wants it to go. Dino's team is in need of a win. Dino's team is at home. It's going to be electric. Give me Syracuse plus 270. God, I love Carrier that Dome play. doesn't even need a crowd to be no. electric. No. <laughs> Uh, all right, Danny. You know mine from earlier in the show. I love a home dog. I love Will Muschamp. The defense going to muddy this thing up. It's going to be ugly. How many times, and I hate to do this, I don't like to do this to Tennessee fans, but how many times have we come in with a lot of hype, a lot of expectations surrounding the Vols, and then they fall flat on their face? Last year, we saw them lose that home opener against Georgia State. I think you're going to see a similar thing. I'm going to take South Carolina. What's my number? I haven't seen the... Uh... You can get 150. All right, plus 150. I'm on it. All right, Barton. Let me give him uh, the cash register. Okay. Go big or go home, boys. Ooh. You know, all these, you know, 150, uh, <laughs> 125, one. How about plus 900? <laughs> yeah, I like the way you're thinking. Houston Baptist <laughs> playing Louisiana Tech. This is the Super Bowl for Houston Baptist. This is the final game of the season. This is all they've worked for all year. They've already played two games this year. They only have one more on the slate, and then they're locking it down, and they're trying to maybe get ready for a spring season with the rest of the FCS. This is a team that probably should have beat Texas Tech last weekend. I, I fully acknowledge this is the same team that gave up 721 yards to North Texas the week before. But look, this is a this is a, a, a year in which a team that is capable of rolling up 600 yards on the Big 12 is also capable of rolling up a pretty good chunk of, of yards on Louisiana Tech. And so given the the you know, who knows who's out for Louisiana Tech, who knows like what happens like 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 uh, like there's too many variables in a year for a team like Houston Baptist that can very clearly move the football to get uh, a 900 plus 900 money line so i don't know if you can give me a bigger number somewhere tom but 1400 but, i yeah, get you okay. 1400 1400 i want 1400 plus 1400 give me Houston Baptist uh, they they close the season in style. Finish what they started against Texas Tech. That's got to be the biggest money line sprinkle in, in cover three history, right there. What if it hits? You could just take the rest of the season off. Yeah, <laughs> just pass. Just keep on playing. <laughs> uh, I'm going. I I was looking at a, a couple different spots. I was really looking like at a narrow. You know, I, we've got TCU opening up as a I guess a two point underdog with Iowa State in town. So you got a little bit of plus value there. But then I got some some late information. In fact, live on the air, you all heard this information too. It was finding out that the dentist was on my side. And when the dentist broke out all of that series history and all of the times that Florida and Ole Miss has just turned out weird and just and to think back to those Tebow tears, I was just like, you know what? I think my money line sprinkle has changed here at the eleventh hour. 
We're going to go Ole Miss plus 480 because we are going to take some chances out here. So in addition to my lock fight and my lock agreement with the dentist, we're going to pile on. We are just way too committed to this noon SEC opener on the lane train. Give me the Rebs money line sprinkle. What if that happens? The lane hype. The lane lane <laughs> lane to be looking for a new job by week two. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's review everyone's card quickly. Uh, Tom, Mississippi State LSU under Auburn minus seven and a half against Kentucky. Georgia, Arkansas, under 53. Miami, Florida State, under 54. Pitt, minus 2.5 against Louisville. Uh, Army, plus 14 at Cincinnati. The South Carolina, Tennessee, under 44. NC State, plus 7 at Virginia Tech. Barton, the Pitt, Louisville, under 55.5. Kentucky, plus 7.5 at Auburn. Georgia, Arkansas, under 53. West Virginia, plus 7.5 at Oklahoma State. Tennessee, minus 3.5 at South Carolina, Virginia minus four and a half against Duke Baylor minus 17 against Kansas Two lock fights between Maverick and Iceman. This, the relationship is ruined here in this week. Uh, my card, I've taken UTSA minus six and a half against the 130th best team in the FBS middle Tennessee on the mothership, uh, Bama, Missouri under 56 and a half Cincinnati army under 45 and a half Texas A&M Vanderbilt under 46 and a half. The Pitt minus two and a half against Louisville, Mississippi plus 14 against Florida, South Carolina in Tennessee under 44 and Texas minus 18 at Texas Tech. Danny loading it up. Thickest card of the week. Mississippi State LSU under the Bama, Missouri under Bama minus the 27 against Missouri, Oklahoma State minus six and a half against West Virginia, South Carolina plus three and a half against Tennessee, Florida minus 13 and a half at Mississippi, Auburn, Kentucky under 49 and a half, Kansas State plus 28 at Oklahoma, and the under 61 in Oklahoma, Kansas State. Love it. Big beefy show. Big card. Big, big Beefy. Well, I'm set up big for the fall. It's like that team that comes in feeling good about themselves and just totally overlooks the opponent. Oh, boy, I'm yeah, nervous now. It's like the Florida Gators. It's exactly what you got right there. <laughs> All right. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. down and one to go in 2020. Bryson DeChambeau overpowered his peers at the U.S. Open. Can he carry that into November for a fall edition of the Masters? We're chatting about that and more on the First Cut Golf Podcast, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. We're in your feed week in and week out with tournament previews, picks, interviews, news, and analysis. Join Mark Immelman, Kyle Porter, Greg Ducharme, and myself, Rick Gaiman, as we give you daily fantasy plays, winning bets, and the hottest takes about Bryson, Phil, and Tiger. So what are you waiting for? Come join our group and let's talk golf. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere else podcasts are found.